When Jesus taught, he sometimes used plain, direct terms, but more often he used hyperbole and images and wordplay, and above all, parables, little micro-stories meant to stimulate our imaginations, illustrate an idea, or provoke a new avenue of thought or action. Ask Jesus a question, and he's likely to answer with something like this. There once was a man who had two sons. Or, there once was a woman who lost a coin. These aren't reports of past events, of course, or predictions of the future. They're icons, distillations of the present, the essence of things that happen not once, but over and over and over again. To what can we compare a parable? A parable is a little snow globe we can hold in our hands and examine from different angles. Or a parable is a walk-in closet we can enter, take a look around at the clothes, try a few things on. Or a parable is a painting framed on a wall, simple lines, vivid colors, good for thought, and in the end, good for action. For example, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells a striking, challenging parable of a fig tree. And in 1890, Vincent van Gogh made a painting for his newborn nephew, a portrait of an almond tree's blossoming branches against a blue sky. Two trees, a fig tree and an almond tree. And if we hold them up together, side by side, each can help us understand the other. I'm Matthew Meyer Bolton, and this is Strange New World, a show about understanding the Bible for skeptics, believers, and everybody in between. The American painter Georgia O'Keeffe is best known for her giant paintings of flowers, to which viewers often ascribe sexual connotations, but O'Keeffe herself insisted otherwise. She described her floral portraits this way. Nobody sees a flower, really. It is so small. We haven't time. And to see takes time, like to have a friend takes time. And so O'Keeffe painted flowers on a grand scale to help us slow down and see them as they really are. Vincent van Gogh had similar ideas. He was an avid admirer of Japanese art, and in particular, of the ways Japanese artists studied and depicted nature. He wrote, If we study Japanese art, we see a human being who is undoubtedly wise, philosophic, intelligent, who spends his time doing what? Studying the distance between the earth and the moon? No. Studying Bismarck's policy? No. He studies a single blade of grass. But this blade of grass, Vincent continued, leads him to draw every plant, and then the seasons, and then the countryside, the animals, and the human figure. For Van Gogh, this was true religion, as he put it, to follow the example of these Japanese artists who live in nature as though they themselves were flowers. The closer we live to nature, the more we become what he called a dweller in nature, the more healthy and human we'll be. 
That was Vincent's view, inspired by Japanese Buddhist artists and also inspired by Jesus of Nazareth. For in the nature parables in the Gospels, those micro-stories of vineyards and sowers and harvests and fig trees, Christ reveals himself to be not just a fellow artist, said Vincent, but the greatest artist of them all, creator of heaven and earth. Listen to this passage from one of Vincent's letters written in 1888, just two years before his death. Christ lived as an artist greater than all other artists, scorning marble and clay and paint, working in the living flesh. This peerless artist made neither statues, nor paintings, nor books. He made living human beings. And human beings, for Vincent, just like the entire natural world, grow and change and transform over time. In fact, we must grow and change and transform if we are truly to live. As Luke tells it, when Jesus turns to the parable of the fig tree, he's at the end of an extended teaching session with the disciples, a session in which he exhorts them again and again to waste no time in getting ready for God's dawning new era. How are they supposed to get ready? By repenting. The Greek word here translated as repentance is metanoia, from meta, or change, and noia, or mind, so change of mind. In the ancient Mediterranean world, many considered the mind to be the essence or center of the human person. Today we might say change of heart or change of life. And this transformation, Jesus says, is intensely urgent. And to impress this urgency on his disciples, Jesus lays out a series of images like a slideshow, as if to say, think of it like this, or like this, or like this. The cascade begins in chapter 12. It's as though Jesus says, to what shall I compare the urgency of repentance? Think of it like this. Do you respect and listen to human authorities? Then how much more should you respect and listen to God? Or think of it like this. Once there was a rich, self-centered man, blithely hoarding his possessions, but God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will end. What good will all your stuff be to you then? Or like this, picture yourselves as servants ready for action, with your lamps lit and keeping busy, for God could come at any time. Or again, imagine you've been accused of something and you and your accuser are walking to see a judge. Don't wait. Settle the dispute now, on your own, even before you arrive at the courthouse. All that is in chapter 12, but the cascade keeps coming, overflowing into chapter 13. Jesus continues, To what shall I compare this urgency? Think of it like this. Remember those Galileans who Pilate killed at the temple without warning? That's where the way of death leads. So, change paths. Get on the way of life. Get on the way of love and justice. 
And finally, think of it like this. An owner of an orchard plants a fig tree, but it bears no fruit. So he was about to order it to be cut down, but then he and the gardener decide to give it one more year with plenty of fertilizer, one more year. It's like what John the Baptizer says at the opening of Luke's Gospel, warning the gathering crowds that the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down. Fruit trees are supposed to be fruitful. And now Jesus picks up the same theme. The time has come to change your life. Bear fruit. Now, the sheer number and diversity of these images, similes, metaphors, parables, means that we shouldn't get bogged down in the details of any one of them, but rather listen to them together so we can make out the current moving through the cascade. But this only sharpens the question. Granted, I should get busy and bear some fruit, but what fruit should I bear? The answer is right there in the parable itself, hiding in plain sight. Picture your favorite tree, or one of your favorites. Maybe it's a tree in your yard, or visible from your apartment window, or maybe it's in a nearby park. What does it look like, this tree? What does it feel like, or smell like? You can't imagine it without also imagining its place, the land and creatures and weather around it that make it possible, and that it, in turn, helps make possible. A tree's wisdom is always local. It bears fruit or leaves or flowers precisely in response to local conditions, including the nutrients, the fertilizer that's close at hand. And to really see this tree, you have to spend some time. Because, you know, to see takes time, like to have a friend takes time. Toward the end of his life, Van Gogh moved to southern France, which he declared, beautiful as Japan. In a letter to a friend, he rapturously described the local olive trees. At times, the whole is a pure, all-pervading blue, he wrote, namely, when the tree bears its pale flowers, and the big blue flies, emerald rose beetles, and cicadas in great numbers are hovering around it. Then, as the bronzed leaves are getting riper in tone, the sky is brilliant and radiant with green and orange, or more often even in autumn, when the leaves acquire something of the violet tinges of the ripe fig. Reading this letter, with its cascade of blue and emerald and bronze and orange and violet, you get the sense that Vincent experienced the seasons as a living pageant of color, as though the divine artist were painting and repainting the scene before his eyes. And his own work, his own paintings, were an effort to connect and commune and reveal that larger pageant. Van Gogh was convinced that, as he put it, 
Looking at a wheat field, even in the form of a picture, could be both comforting and restorative. Painting, in other words, was for Vincent not just a way of recording or depicting nature, it was a way of living close to nature, both for the painter and for the viewer. It helps put us in touch with the changes as they turn. Where and how should you change your life? Where and how should I change mine? What would the tree say? The fig tree, I mean. Or the almond tree. Or your favorite tree, the one you have in mind. Well, here's what it might say. Start where you're planted and reach up and out from there. Bear fruit according to who you are. No fig tree should try to bear almonds. And if you're not sure, ask around. Ask the people who know you best. Every tree is a symbiotic mix of microbes and fungi and bugs and birds and other critters too, not to mention the surrounding trees sometimes competing, sometimes helping each other out. At its best, that's what genuine human community looks like too. An orchard, a grove bearing fruit, a symphony of blossoms and neighbors and helping hands. But in any case, Jesus's point is this. We are born to bear fruit. Tangible actions, tangible results of love and justice and caring for the world. And the situation is urgent. It's pressing. There's still time, but there's no time to waste. Bear fruit. Lay down fertilizer so others may do the same. But do it now, today. Don't wait. My guess is, deep down, you know what fruit you want to bear. You've been dreaming of it for a while now, right there in your household or your neighborhood, your little corner of the earth, for the reign of heaven has come near. Jesus is urging his listeners, urging us, if we're listening, to start where we're planted, to reach up and out, to team up and to thrive. That's why we're here, to take an active, practical part in the world's redemptive transformation. Why this exhortation? Why the urgency? Because too often the paths we're on, the barren, bloody paths of Pilate, the rich fool, the sluggish servant, the defensive litigant on the way to the courthouse, each of these paths leads in the direction of corrosion and death. And Jesus calls us instead to reorient ourselves with the Spirit's help toward fruitfulness, restoration, and life. For Jesus, that's what repentance is all about, to step off the paths of death and come to life. God expects the fruit of love and justice to abound in our lives and in our communities. And if we look around and see too much of the contrary, well, that only confirms the urgency clarifies the stakes, and helps us understand why Jesus is so intent on getting us up and on the move. So, here's an idea. Take a pilgrimage out to that favorite tree, 
wherever it is, spend some time with it, because to see takes time. And then let's push ourselves to rise and meet the challenge Jesus puts before us. He's knocking on the door, after all, image after image after image, all through chapter 12 and into chapter 13, image after image. To what shall we compare the urgency of repentance, the urgency of love and justice, of changing our minds and our hearts, of growing close to nature, so close that we become flowers, become trees, bear fruit, reach out, live up to the calling for which we were born? In 1890, when his brother and sister-in-law, Theo and Joe, named their newborn child after him, Vincent got to work right away on a picture for his young namesake, a painting meant to hang in their bedroom. Big branches, he wrote, of white almond blossom against a blue sky. It's a painting deeply influenced by Vincent's admiration for Japanese art, and above all, deeply influenced by his conviction that looking at a tree, even in a picture, really can help comfort us, restore us, shape us as we grow and change and transform, which is to say, as we live. There once was a man who had two sons. There once was a woman who lost a coin. Big branches of white almond blossom against a blue sky. A painting and a parable framed on a wall. Simple lines, vivid colors. Good for thought, good for action, and in the end, good for becoming God's child. Already beloved and called to bear fruit. Each one of us an artist in the image of the greatest artist of them all, painter of heaven and earth. The Gospel According to Vincent is a mini-series by Strange New World, a SALT project production, written and produced by me, Matthew Meyer Bolton, with help from Elizabeth Meyer Bolton, Music is by Blue Dot Sessions. If you like what you hear, spread the word and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really does help people find us. And drop us a line at community at saltproject.org. And if you'd like to go deeper, Salt has a devotional called Vincent Van Gogh and the Beauty of Lent, which includes more details, activities, links to the paintings, and more. You can find it in the store at saltproject.org. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.